we have been uh, talking about the question, uh, do I have your attention? And we've been asking that question and really talking about distractions because this is about as distracting of a slide as I can make. Um, but it's, uh, don't worry, it's gonna get worse. Um, but <laughs> life pushes and pulls us in so many different ways, and we know that. Um, we see that. Uh, everything in this world is pulling for our attention and asking for our attention and wanting our attention every minute of every day. Some of it can be terrible, and some of that can pull our attention away to where, towards going to, to things that are just um, destroying and wrecking our life. And at the same time, if we take our attention and we focus our attention on the Lord and we focus on the things above, those are the things that can bring life. Those are the things that can bring life. And it's a moment by moment thing most of the time. For all of us, it really is. But if we can keep ourselves focused on the Lord, if we can keep the distractions, if you will, at a minimum, pay attention to how we live, we're gonna see the Lord's will in our life in a more uh, clear way. And so I've, I've looked at this verse in Ephesians and I wanna start with it again here, Ephesians chapter five. It says this, so then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And this is an important statement that Paul's making here that is, that is really saying, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. And the days are evil, so keep your focus. Make the most of your time that you have. You know, it's interesting because we, we spend so much time, and granted, we're here in the here and now, we, we focus so much on the time that we have here on this earth, which is important, don't get me wrong, but do you realize in comparison to how much time we're gonna be spending in eternity, how much more of our focus is here? And so why do we focus so much here when we're gonna have so much more time in eternity? Because eternity is like, that's forever. That's a whole lot longer than how long we're gonna be here. Um, and the enemy loves to use our wants and our wishes and our so-called needs to pull us away and to pull us away from him. And even worse yet, we're really good at justifying that to ourselves. We're really good at that. We can justify it to ourselves. And, and there is one thing that we're gonna look at today that um, is, is a way that we can justify it, and it's the idea of fear. And so let me ask you this question. Does fear get your attention? Does fear get your attention? When we get scared, and when there's something that, that really scares us, um, it definitely pulls our attention in that moment. In that, in that moment, nothing else matters, and especially if we get like, you know, real scared, like something happens right that moment. I can think of a time when, uh, when, when I got scared, and, uh, and uh, my mom and dad were scared, and clearly, uh, my sister was scared. Um, Joanne was about five or six. I was 10 or 11. I don't remember exactly um, how old we were, but um, she was singing right over here, by the way. If you didn't know, that's my sister. She was, she's the blonde singing right here. And so she was uh, a lot younger and a lot smaller um, And because um, she was just a little peanut when she was five or six. You know, she was, you know, just this big and like this big. And so we're at um, Kings Island, and she had been waiting and waiting her whole life, all five or six years, to ride a roller coaster for the first time ever. And so this was her first roller coaster. And she was fine, like she had just made it, you know, just, just tall enough to ride the roller coaster. She may have been doing a little bit of this thing. I don't know. Regardless, she was barely tall enough to get on the roller coaster. And so 
Um, so we're in line, and this is a coaster that if you've been to Cedar Point, reminds me of the Gemini, okay? It, it had the, the double racing ones and all of that, wooden, old rickety wooden coaster. Um, now, a, a few things about this roller coaster, because this was, you know, 80s. So uh, safety didn't really matter, because um, it was the 80s. And so this was just the lap bar, right? That's all it was. It was just the lap bar that, that came across. Um, which, when you're as tiny as she was, didn't really matter. Um, but at the same time, there were no upside-down or loop-de-loops or anything like that. Um, and so she, you know, we're like, all right, we can ride this one. And, and so my mom and I were sitting uh, in, in front, and she was sit sitting with my dad right behind us. And so she's all excited, and, and we get up to the top of the hill, and we're getting ready to crest the hill. And, uh, and what made sense to her at that moment um, because she got scared when she saw the hill, was to duck underneath the lap bar and get into the floor of this roller coaster. Now, my dad reminded me between services, this wasn't a coaster that had a door on the sides. It was just the one that you just walk in, it's right? So it's just open right there on the side. So she's in the floor. We get to the top of the hill, and she's like, down on the floor. My dad puts his hand on her head and is holding her in place as we're riding this coaster that's going. And mom and I are like, what is happening? You know what I mean? And dad's like, I got Pat, I got her, you know, and like holding her head and, and holding her down. And, you know, we, I don't even remember the ride, you know, any of it, none of it, of course not. You know, so we get done riding the ride. Somehow we survive and she is still here as you've seen. And, and she didn't, but like, honestly scared in that moment because she flies out. My dad takes his hand off her head who knows what happens at that point? She goes flying. I don't know. Um, and she was a gymnast, so maybe she was just flipped and stuck the landing, but I don't know. Um, but, so he's holding her head down and holding her in place. We, we come in to, to, the, to the end, you know, and, and we get up and the bar comes up and she slips back up, you know, and all that. And we get out and what do you think she says? You know it. She looks at my, can we go again? No, no, we can't, we cannot go again. We were scared, we were scared during that entire ride, you know, um, worried about what was gonna happen to her because anything could happen, you know? I mean, common sense goes out the window when we're scared, doesn't it? When we get scared, common sense goes out the window and it distracts us from what really matters most. Clearly, when we got to the top of that hill, common sense left Joanne's brain. Um, now, granted, she was five or six, um, still, slipping down to the floor like, why is that what we do? But, but she did. But, you know, at the same time, when we're scared, sometimes, though, when we're scared, that can actually help us sift through the noise of the world and of the stuff that's going on around us and, and actually help us commit to what's truly important. Because in that moment, and as funny as that is, the only concern on my dad's mind and arm was keep my daughter alive. You know, I mean, it sounds funny, but at the same time, it's not. Like, nothing else mattered until we were done. Like, I'm keeping her here. You know, I've got, I've got to keep her alive. And I've got to keep her in place. And, and what do you do? And so, a lot of times, being scared can actually help us focus more. And we don't always make wise decisions at the same time when we're distracted and, and we're scared. And, and and a lot of the reason that it does when it comes to things in your life that maybe aren't that 
that kind of crazy, but when it comes to the things in our life that scare us, a lot of the reason that we'll get distracted and we'll get scared and we'll make bad decisions is because in those moments, we will take our eyes off the one who can really take that fear away and the one who's really in control and keep us safe. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to be there the rest of the time. Um, If you're uh, on the app, uh, you can certainly find uh, the event if you look for Connect Church, excuse me, in Akron, Ohio. Um, You can follow along with me there. And we're going to look at a story that happens uh, right after the five loaves and two fishes story, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, might be a familiar story to you. Um, it really was way more than 5,000 people uh, because only the, the men were counted um, in, in the way in which it was written in history there. So it was probably more like fifteen to 20,000 people that were there. Um, and so this, this story that we're going to look at is also probably a familiar story to you, at least bits and pieces of it I'm sure you've heard. Um, but this takes place right afterwards. And so we're going to start in verse 22. So, uh, so here we go. And Matthew 14 says this. Immediately afterward, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side. So immediately afterwards, meaning immediately after uh, all of this with the feeding of the 5,000, right? Compelled the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he sent the crowds away, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. So there's an important thing I want us to realize here. Um, even Jesus knew how important it was to focus on the right things. Even Jesus realizes the importance. He compelled them. He made them go away. And then he sent the crowds away. No, it, it says it twice. He is the one that sent the crowds away. They needed to take a break. They needed to refocus. You got to imagine this was a long day. Like the feeding of the 5,000, it wasn't like 20 minutes. It wasn't like Chick-fil-A was running it and everybody was going through real quick, okay? This, was, this took a while. This was a long day. And so all of this stuff happens. The crowds are still there and all of that. And Jesus is like, we need to take a step back. We need to refocus. I need to have some time to pray. And we need to, we need to make sure that our motives are correct. Because Jesus even knew that ministry could even sometimes become a distraction. Think about that for, for a second, what I just said there. Even Jesus knew that ministry could become a distraction. The celebrity of it was probably something that could have been distracting to them. In fact, there's many times that Jesus pulls away from the crowd and that he pulls the disciples away from the crowd so that they can have time to refocus. Everybody, by this point, everybody knew who they were. Everybody knew who Jesus was pretty much everywhere that they went. And so to keep their focus on what mattered most, like I said, the celebrity of it was probably a thing that could be distracting. Right motives, correct actions, but an easy distraction. An easy distraction from what the true focus should be. So Jesus protected and valued his alone time. He protected and valued his time with God, his prayer time to refocus in that quiet time. And so should we. So should we. He sent the crowds away. Think about that. Jesus sent the crowds away. How often are you and me, how how often are we protecting our alone time and our prayer time with the Lord? Because if we get that time, it's the Sabbath principle in a lot of ways. If we get that time with God, that can help us refocus and we can be better when those times come because we have taken that time 
we have taken that time to, to refocus on the Lord. Let's keep going here. It says, but the boat was already a long distance. So he, he sends them off in the boat and, and, and they're going off. Jesus went up on the mountain to pray by himself. Boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves for the wind was contrary. So there's basically a storm happening. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. The fourth watch would be right around 3 a.m., 6 a.m., somewhere in between that time frame is what would be considered the fourth watch. So he came to them in the night, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Yeah, I bet. Okay, so middle of the night, right, between 3 and 6 a.m. They're probably wondering if, like, okay, am I still awake? Like, what's happening? It's been a long day. I'm exhausted. It's in the middle of the night. We're on a boat. The wind and the waves are going. Good grief. And now there's somebody walking toward me. What in the world? You know, they had to be freaking out, um, terrified. It's scared to death. You know, fear of the unknown. They, they didn't know what it was. They didn't know what was going on. But fear of the unknown, it, it, it grabs a hold of them right away. It grips them. And they immediately think it's something bad. Think about that when it comes to ourselves. How often does something happen, we get scared, something happens, and we immediately think that it's something bad. Fear can distract us from truly seeing the Lord. They were scared and didn't even think that this could be Jesus. They immediately, their brain immediately went to negative. This has gotta be something bad, we're gonna die, oh my goodness all of this stuff. Instantly, they go to something bad, and we lose a lot of common sense when we get scared. We let situations and circumstances distract us. We, we lose our minds, and we forget where we are and what's going on, and we drop to the seat, uh, drop into the floor of the roller coaster because we're scared. And when we're down in, scared, in, in a scared position, and, and we're freaking out, and we're worried, we can't really see the Lord for who he truly is. Because we get overwhelmed by this, by this fear and we forget. And there are good reasons to put fear away as believers. As believers in the fact that we have the Holy Spirit living within us, the, the advocate, the helper, as, as he's called. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And so there's a couple of things. Number one, and we see this here with, with the disciples as well, the problem is, could be not nearly as bad as we think it is. We're really good at exaggerating danger in our brain. Something happens and we instantly go to, ah, and, and we make it the worst that it could possibly be in our own brain. And we start running this highlight reel in our head of, what, of, of all the what ifs and what could happen. And we talked about the what ifs for a while. But maybe you're afraid because you exaggerate the danger. Let the Holy Spirit reveal that to you. Another reason a good reason that we can put fear away is that the problem might be real, okay? It, it might actually be that bad, but we may not be thinking clearly about what a good solution could be because we're too scared and we're too freaked out and we're not relying on Jesus. We're not relying on the Holy Spirit to help us find what is probably a better solution than the crazy one that we're trying to come up with, like dropping into the floor, <laughs> It was not a good solution for her being scared. But at the same time, how many times in our life when something happens and we get scared and we freak out, do we do something of that equivalent? 
that makes no sense and we drop into the floor. Instead, okay, let's acknowledge the fear is real. The thing that is happening, this is real. But let's, let's turn our brains back on and let's ask the Lord to help show us what a better answer could be than maybe what we're deciding to do because the Holy Spirit is gonna reveal that to us as well. You know, we can't truly see the Lord for who he is if we are distracted by fear. Let's keep going. Verse 27. So Jesus is walking on the water toward them. They're freaking out. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter responding and said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Okay, so you're scared. You see a ghost or whatever you might think it is walking on the water. He says it's Jesus. And your first thought is, you know what? I'm gonna do that too. <laughs> Gotta love Peter here, right? He's, he's like an all or nothing guy as you read through scripture and you see him. I mean, the guy's all, all or nothing. See, not only can fear distract us from, from truly seeing him, it can distract us from going toward him. See, fear can distract us from following Jesus. Notice, he's the only disciple that said something along those lines. And here's the thing, why? Because why? I've, I've always wondered that, you know, to ask this question, like why did Peter ask this to Jesus? Why was that his, that would not have been my first thought. When he, when he came up and he's like, hey guys, it's, it's me, don't be scared. And his first thought was, I'm gonna do that. Why? He wanted to go to Jesus. He wanted, it's as simple as that. He wanted to go to Jesus and to be with him. And all of a sudden, his fear was gone because he knew who was there. His fear was gone because he knew it was Jesus. Not to mention, the role of Peter and the role of the disciples following Jesus, he is their rabbi. He is the one that they are following. He is their master. And so everything that Jesus has taught them up to this point is, you will have power. You, you are to follow me, and you are to walk in my footsteps, and you are to more or less mimic me. And Peter was the only one who was willing to take him up on that. How many times have we maybe had the chance to follow Jesus where we know we should be going even though it seems crazy and we don't take him up on that? Peter was actually willing to take Jesus up on that. We are to mimic him. We are to walk in his footsteps. And if that means stepping out on the water, then Peter was like, let's do this. But if we're distracted by fear, if we're distracted by the unknown, if we're distracted by other people's opinions, if we're distracted by the self-worth issue, should I even be here? I'm, I'm, I'm not even, God, God doesn't even love me. I'm not even, I'm not even worthy of that. If we're, if we're distracted by all of those things that the enemy likes to put into our heads, that unfortunately we listen to more times than not that ends up shutting our common sense off. We're gonna be distracted by fear and we're gonna be distracted from following Jesus where we should. Let's keep going. Verse 30 says, but seeing the wind, he became frightened, Peter. He, he becomes frightened and, and when he began to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out with his hand and took hold of him and said to him, 
you have little faith, why did you doubt? You have little faith, why did you doubt? You know, Peter was not uh, a small guy, by the way. Um, most of the historical writings suggest that he was actually a pretty big dude. Um, and Jesus was no wimp either. He was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. And, and carpenters, um, you know, especially back then, I mean, you're doing, there, there were no machines. You're doing everything by hand and all of that stuff. He was able to pull Peter up and, and throw him in the boat, as we'll see here in the next verse. But, you know, in, in many ways, this is the faith over fear idea being lived out. Because when we are distracted, our faith sinks. When we are distracted, our faith sinks. And when our faith sinks, that means we're not focused on the Lord. Peter's focus became his own self-preservation. Instantly. He sees the wind, he sees the waves. His own self-preservation because he was distracted by what was going on around him. He gets pulled away and forgets who he was walking toward. He forgot exactly who he was walking toward. And so let me ask you this. Who are you walking toward? Who are you walking toward? Is it Jesus? When it comes to the storms that are going on in our lives, and I know that there are some storms going on in, in the lives of, of, of some of us here, some of us watching online, whether it's that relationship, whether it's that that business deal, whether it's that family issue, whether it's this, whether it's that, that storm, you fill in the blank. Is Jesus walking on top of it? But you're not willing to see that and because you're too scared to realize that, it, that it's him right there? Will you honestly take a look at that today? Will you honestly look at that? Because here's the thing, if it's Jesus, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. And it, it's maybe not going to be in the way that you think it should happen. But if it's Jesus, you're going to be fine. Because even when Peter failed, and he did, he failed. And he failed many times. Read the stories about Peter. He failed many times. Jesus was there to save him. Jesus was right there to save him. See, Jesus loves us enough to pull us up. He loves us enough to, to pull us up and to throw us in the boat until our lesson is learned and his work is done. Little faith. Little faith. See, if, if there's evidence for little faith, then there is reason for great confidence. If there's evidence for little faith, there's reason for great confidence. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, if it be right to trust Jesus at all, why not trust him altogether? If it be right to trust Jesus at all, then why not trust him altogether? Verse 32. It says, when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, you are truly God's son. Can you imagine this? The wind and the waves going. The, all, all, all of this happening. This is always one of my favorite types of, you see it a couple of times in scripture, when, when God controls the weather, that has to like, if you're in, in that moment, that has to like blow your mind. The wind and the waves going, Jesus is walking on the water. He pulls Peter up, chucks him in the boat. They both get in the boat and everything goes, 
that had to just be like, what? Like, can you, the guys, I mean, they had to be like, okay, what just happened? Finally, they get it. You are truly God's son. You are truly God's son. They move from fear to worship instantly. And considering what had just happened, it makes sense that they move from fear to worship. But do you realize that this is the first time that this is said so plainly by the disciples? Think of everything that they had seen before. Go back, just flip through your Bible up into, up into this chapter. Think about everything that they had seen before. And this is the first time that they get to this point and they say it so clearly. No beating around the bush. You are truly God's son. And that truth, that removed every distraction that was keeping them from acknowledging it before this moment. And so have you realized that truth yet? Let me ask you that. Have you really, really recognized that truth yet? Or have you been distracted and found every reason not to? Even though he's walking on the water for you and next to you. It's who he is. He's there for you. He's the one to... To, to make the way. He's trustworthy. He is powerful. He's, he's the miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who he is. And Jesus will do whatever he has to do to rescue his children. He will do whatever he has to do to rescue his children, including walking on the water. But we have to make the choice. And if we're too distracted by our own agenda, or our untrusting little faith, then we won't even see him walking calmly right in the middle of our storm because he was calmly walking right through that. So my connection point for the morning is this. When Jesus has your attention, you can walk in faith. You can walk in faith. Does Jesus have your attention this morning? See, it's a choice. What we see, what we don't see, what we choose to do with that. Are, are we going to be fearful and let the, let the world and let the storms that we're in distract us? Or are we going to trust him and see him for who he really is? It's amazing how those closest to him, think about this. Those, those closest to him, they needed more evidence than those that weren't on the inside. Isn't that strange? Look how the chapter ends. When they'd crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret, which is just a city. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word into all that surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick. And they pleaded with him that they might just touch the border of his cloak. And all who touched it were cured. Just touch the, just to touch the, the fringe touched the hem of his cloak and all that touched him were healed, were cured. Look at the faith that is shown there. There wasn't fear, there was faith. Just, just to touch the hem of his robe and they were healed. And they weren't distracted by fear. In fact, they were scared to not touch him. Think about that. They were scared of what would happen if they weren't able to touch him. If they weren't able to reach out to him. And these people, by the way, that's being talked about here in these last two verses, 
none of them saw him walk on the water. None of them saw that. None of them saw him feed the 5,000. None of them saw any of the other things that the disciples saw. But they weren't grounded by fear. They weren't paralyzed by it. See, when Jesus has your attention, you can walk in faith. Will you bow your heads with me? What are you going to choose today? Your fears, your misplaced trust in yourself or in the one who controls the wind and the waves and is walking on top of the water that you will sink in if you try to do it all on your own. You will. If you try to do it all on your own, you're going to sink. And if you can trust him a little, you can trust him altogether. Maybe what's scaring you is the eternal realities. Maybe you don't, you're not 100% sure that you're going to be with him in heaven. That can be a scary thing to not know that if you don't wake up tomorrow, where you're going to be. And if you're not sure, I'd love to talk to you, pray with you, and show you how you can know that for sure. You can go to, if you're watching online, connectchurch.xyz slash next, and you can find out more about that. If you're here, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you when the service is over. Father, I thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. I thank you for the truth of your word, and I thank you that you tell us to not be afraid, that you're right there and you're reaching out. Lord, you are walking through the storm calmly that we are freaking out about. So Lord, help us to not be distracted by the stuff that pulls us away from remembering who you are, God, because you are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Lord, if there is one here that doesn't know you as savior or watching online, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in a powerful way and you would save them. God, that they would make that decision to know for sure that they're going to be with you in heaven one day. Lord, help us to, to focus on you. Help us to not get distracted by the things of this world and to remember who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.